Welcome to Dawn Patrol, the 30A Morning Show. Good morning! Presented by 38 Cottages and Concierge. Yeah! <laughs> Online, 38cottages.com. All right, everybody, good morning and welcome to Dawn Patrol on 30A Radio. Trust me, this week is not meant to freak you out about going in the Gulf of Mexico. It is really to bring awareness to big sharks and sharks in general. Recently, we've had some big sharks yanked out of the water by fishermen, catching them in the surf zone in Navarre off of the pier. There was a juvenile gray white over in Panama City Beach. So it occurred to me, call my buddy Chris Fallows with the Discovery Channel and let's talk sharks. You can always catch Chris on Discovery Channel Shark Week, but not on Sharknado. It's happening again. You really think there's gonna be one of those shark storms here? Yes! I'm not crazy. People have to know the truth before it happens again. Okay, have you been contacted to be in any of the sequels for Sharknado? I think that'd be a good fit. <laughs> yeah, if they, if they wanted to the guy that was out there to kill the producer and writer, of, uh, yeah, it would be a good fit. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, let's get serious here. Tell me about Apex and uh, how last year was. So is there any uh, changes in uh, your shark activity down in Cape Town? We've had really good numbers of great white sharks, some really big sharks. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to see this again. Last year was uh, a good shark, a good start to the season. Then it took a bit of a dip in the middle. And then the natural predation really kicked off in, in July and August. The numbers of sharks we're seeing this year are, are kind of, well, not quite as good as what we used to see in the old days. But, um, you know, good solid numbers. We're seeing 8 to 12 sharks a day at the moment. And, you know, Quite a few animals exceeding 14 feet in length, which is it's fantastic to see those those animals because in recent years, you know, we've seen very, very, very few mature breeding sharks. So for us, it's um, good news to to see them close to Seal Island again. Okay, what time of the day do you guys go out and try and track activity? So we launch just before sunrise. The objective is to get there as the, as the sun's starting to come up. That's when the sharks are typically hunting. We launch at 7 o'clock in the morning. Sunrise now is at about quarter to 8. And um, for the first three hours every day, we spend our time just drifting around the southern end of Seal Island, hoping to see natural predation. And then we, we anchor up after that and see if we can uh, spot some sharks around the island itself. You and Shark Week always talk about uh, some of your named sharks. Have you seen any of your friends uh, paddling around there this year? We actually have. One of our favorite sharks has been coming to Seal Island every year for the last 11 years. A shark called Shy Guy has made a return. Another one called uh, Durossi, which is a, a very, a very strange shark in that it will go up to base, but actually just usually bumps them and actually doesn't take them. A very strange creature. She's back. And then um, a, a, another shark that um, has been putting an appearance around the island is a shark called Iris, a really big female it tends to eyeball everybody on board, hence the name Iris. Um, and then uh, a, a, another shark, <laughs> it's got a pretty strange name, a shark we call Willy Wonka. Is his um, one male organ bends at a rather strange angle. Um, he's made an appearance at Seal Island as well. So a couple of old favorites are back there, and uh, it's always great when those sharks do, do make a return, and you know that they haven't been killed in the previous year. I like that you name sharks Willy Wonka instead of dagger and, you know, death missile or something like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, we love these sharks. And uh, I, I can tell you a couple of strange names do get put into the mix every year, but we try and uh, use the names that 
I don't know, create a, a, a bond rather than a fear of them. Yeah, we've got a rule in our house. If you have a big dog, you name it a small name. If you have a small dog, you name it a big name. So Absolutely. <laughs> Chris, we paddleboard all the time here along the Gulf Coast and coastal dune lakes. Have you been paddleboarding with sharks? My wife and I paddleboarded with several great white sharks, including some, some really large animals, and that was... Uh, an amazing experience once again, and only one of the sharks actually showed any interest, and that shark just circled us a few times at close quarters. The rest swam away from us. Another uh, interesting uh, project that we are involved with, with with the show, which is another edge oil show called Searching for Colossus, and that was uh, where we placed a shape of a huge female, about a 15-foot female in the water, just the outline of that animal to see what the response would be of other females and other male sharks um, to the, the, the silhouette of, of a big female. And the, the interesting addition to the shape was that we put a human on top of the shape. It was a thin plyboard, thinner than a surfboard, and it had a mechanism where the person on board the shape could actually make the tail move. <laughs> and the only interest the shark showed in the shape at all was when there wasn't a human on the shape itself. So these animals, and every every time we got the person off, the shark showed interest, and he put the person back on the shape, they suddenly didn't show interest again. And it was very clear that they were able to determine that there was something living or moving on top of the shape that, you know, they, they could pick up. And we know that these animals are able to pick up, uh, you know, a voltage as small as one millionth of a volt or so, you know, we've been uh, told by, by scientists who've done the experiments. So clearly these animals are, are very capable of knowing whether there's something living on the board or whether there isn't, you know, something that's, that's uh, out there that's, that's alive. And uh, for, for surfers and for paddleboarders, I think that's, you know, uh, it gives them a, a little bit of... Um, comfort in that these animals didn't show much interest at all when there was actually something living and moving on top of the board. From a paddleboarder's perspective, it would just appear that we would be interesting to sharks, right, Chris? Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly the opposite of what people would think, right? I mean, somebody paddleboarding with a shark seems crazy, but when you actually go out there and do it, and you see how the sharks react, you know, it's very opposite to what you, you actually think was going to happen. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying to everybody that's got a paddleboard, go and get in a lineup with 15-foot white sharks. You know, be very yeah. sensible and responsible about this. But I think generally these animals are, you know, going to shy away from contact or confrontation with something they're not sure of rather than just rush in and bite it. And um, for people not wanting to see sharks when they're paddleboarding, I think that's brings them a little bit of comfort. Hey, Chris, um, recently there's been a lot of new videos coming out of the California area, Manhattan Beach in particular, uh, with paddleboarders uh, either pursuing, sometimes it kind of looks like they might be agitating some juvenile sharks. Have you seen those videos? Is that normal shark activity, or did you see anything in particular about their behavior that might might be a warning sign? Yeah, you know, I haven't had a really good look at those, unfortunately, Corey, but I, I have heard the stories that a lot of people are paddling with them in the lineup. And, you know, I'm not surprised to hear that a lot of the sharks are getting agitated because of my experience. Whenever I paddle boarded up to these animals, they would move away from me and then they'll resurface somewhere else. And if you paddle up to them again, they go down. And eventually, you know, it's, it's kind of like that guy in the street that's bugging you and he'll come up to you and, and you know, ask for something or whatever the case may be and you'll say sorry I can't help you and he comes up again sorry I can't help you and eventually you turn around and you say Jesus you know don't, don't you, you you get the message and um, I think in, in this particular situation you know it's quite similar to that 
that these animals will become agitated and you know it's a fight and flight scenario initially it's a flight scenario they're trying to move away they're giving space they don't want to interact they don't want an altercation but if you do push them hard enough they will turn around and you might get a negative response aimed at you because eventually these animals say well to hell with this I'm paddling away from you, I'm giving you your space, I'm, I'm adopting a defensive approach, but if you keep pushing me and you keep pushing me, eventually you push me into a corner and then enough's enough, buddy, and I'm going to, you know, fight and stand my ground, and I hope that doesn't happen, but I think people do need to be aware of that. Would you paddle with sharks on an inflatable stand-up paddleboard? <laughs> it wouldn't be my first choice of board, now would it? Um, no, you know, I, I think that I haven't had a white shark bump my board yet and I've actually had no animal really show any inclination to do that but yeah I think you know if something does happen you're probably going to enter yourself in the Darwin Award there so <laughs> I would I would be careful of um, of paddling with anything that can potentially puncture a, a stand-up paddle board and then you know they consume you afterwards it probably isn't the most sensible thing to do all right we're with chris fallows he's on discovery shark week he's with apex down in cape town we appreciate all of his time if you were paddling with a great white shark what do you make sure you don't do chris well i think if i'm paddling with a great white shark you know i would like to always say give it a respectful distance um you know and if you if you are choosing to purposely paddle with with a great white shark Paddle alongside the animal or paddle slightly in front of it so that the animal's aware of you. If you're paddling behind it, it's kind of like people don't like being followed. And it's the same with sharks. If you can see something on, on your side or in front of you, you're capable of making a decision whether you want to stay with that thing, move away from it, go closer. But when something's behind you, it's an uncomfortable situation for, for the sharks. And, you know, um, paddle alongside them. Let them keep an eye on you. You can keep an eye on them, and if they're comfortable, you know they'll keep their ground or, or might even approach you. Uh, but just be respectful of them. And you know, I, I think uh, if you're not comfortable out there with the animals, rather just stay away from them. This is a good follow-up to this, Chris. With all of the sharks that are filmed and studied every year, Chris, how many go unnoticed? This might be an interesting stat for people. Yeah, look, a, a lot of sharks, you know, shy away from any sort of uh, association with us or our attempts to get them to come close to us when we're filming them or, you know, putting cameras and decoys or whatever the case may be. There are a lot of great white sharks that simply have no interest in interacting with us in any way which whatsoever. And I think, you know, people are surprised by that. I mean, Shy Guy, the shark I mentioned to you that's come back to Seal Island every year for the last 11 years is a classic example of that. This animal has been recorded hunting uh, in excess of 45 times at Seal Island over the last 11 years. We've actually witnessed him hunting. He's easy to identify because he's got a badly damaged uh, tip of his tail. But in all those years, he's only come up to our vessel once and just basically came up to the vessel, had a look and disappeared. So there's an animal that has got no interest in us, no interest in what we're doing. He comes to Seal Island to hunt uh, seals and that's his lot. And I think you'll find a lot of great white sharks that actually like it and, you know, are specialists in what they do and our activities and our attempts to to interest them, you know, really don't do that. And uh, I think there are probably a lot of sharks that are, are going undetected out there, um, but I certainly don't think there are that many more of them than, you know, are, are currently um, suggested by scientists. The great white shark 
is an animal that's got big problems in most places that occurs around the world. And the fact that it's protected doesn't really mean much because we know they swim huge distances across ocean basins. And on the high seas, they're fair game. they caught as incidental bycatch. South Africa and Australia, there's a gill netting and drumlining program that kills these magnificent animals. And, you know, uh, in many parts of the world, they, they still killed for probably one of the most wasteful practices on Earth, which is uh, shark finning. Wow. Hey, Chris, you guys have done a lot of innovative ways of filming sharks over the past 15 years. Uh, started from the back of your boat and then jumping out of the water and flying, and you even uh, built a sled that you guys were brave enough to get in. Have you guys integrated quadcopters and drones into your uh, filming this year? Yeah, actually, that's a very interesting question, Corey. We, we have done that. Um, we did that in Ultimate Air Jaws, and we did it for this show that's actually coming up right now. Uh, the, the guys um, from the States actually came over, and uh, we did some, some really good stuff uh, with them. We, we used a, a remote-controlled helicopter. Uh, this wasn't a quadcopter, but a remote-controlled helicopter. Fly above our decoy and shoot a breach from just a few feet up directly above it. So have a look out for that um, on Shark Week. It uh, gives a very, very different perspective. It's uh, a bird's-eye view of what it looks like to have a great white shark come up under you and um, you'll see the speed that these animals actually move at. But interestingly <laughs> enough, drones and, and quadcopters have just been banned in South Africa uh, only this week. And um, the reason for that is, you know, it's a perceived threat at, at the airfields and at our international airports. So they're passing new regulations, hopefully fairly soon. Um, that'll determine what can and can't be done with them. But um, there's ever-increasing use of them, especially in wildlife circles. And provided it's not done invasively, you know, where the animal's behavior is affected by them, I think it's a, it's a great way of capturing imagery. Hey, Chris, how about this? What's the one thing you know about great white sharks now that you didn't know 10 years ago? Well, I can tell you one thing we learned just recently, and that was uh, we spent a month down in New Zealand for this latest documentary we're doing, and that's how these animals behave. We knew they behave differently all around the world, but one thing that was fascinating was in New Zealand, these animals seem incredibly comfortable in close confines with each other. And certainly in South Africa, there's a very strict hierarchy based on size between the sharks, uh, whereas in New Zealand, it was kind of like, the boys club and all the boys were in a pub together and having a good time and you know the sharks swam very close to each other yes there were animals that were more dominant than others but for the most part they seemed very comfortable um, in very close proximity to each other so that that really was fascinating to to see just how different they can be in different locations and um, just how, how differently they behave you know amongst each other I'm going to assume they were always here, but recently there's been a lot of reports about great white sharks in the Jacksonville area heading down towards Key West, and uh, they've been sighted in the Gulf of Mexico. So what do you think they're doing down here? What must be remembered is that great whites, you know, don't just feed on, on, on seals, as I'm sure, you know, most sure. people know. But uh, large great white sharks also actively scavenge on, on dead cetaceans, so dead whales and dolphins. And I'm sure you have a, a lot of whales moving down your, your east coast as well. And, you know, Frank Mundus, who was a very famous shark fisherman based out of Montauk, used to specifically uh, look for for dead whales and amazingly in those days they used to actually harpoon what they called blackfish pilot whales and uh, false killer whales and those sort of animals to attract great white sharks so 
it's been known for a long time that they actively feed on these dead animals and you find moving up and down your coastline over in that area they probably scavenge on on these whales en route to places like Cape Cod and certainly you know there are records from the, the Gulf of Mexico when they're coming through Florida Floridian waters there's probably lots of other sharks for them to feed on there uh, I believe the tuna move through that area mm-hmm. sailfish is, there's a lot of potential prey for them there and they also undertake large migrations so you know provided the animals on a healthy condition have built up fat reserves they're capable of actually moving prodigious distances probably uh, just utilizing those reserves and um, you know tracking studies are showing them moving through those areas but it's, it's definitely not something new you know these great whites move large distances and to get to get from Mexico up to you know the Montauk area they can't catch a plane and uh, can't <laughs> hop on a ship so they've got to swim and that's how they get there I don't blame any northern sharks for coming down towards Florida and the Gulf of Mexico we had a terrible winter it was too cold <laughs> yeah I heard, I heard it wasn't the nicest winter out your way all right hey what is your number one tip if you end up in the water with a big shark well it depends how you end up in the water if you on a paddleboard and you fall in the water the obvious thing to do is to try to get straight back onto your paddleboard because you'd rather have a few inches of fiberglass underneath you than you know be just floating on the ocean itself. If you end up in the water and you've got a mask on or you can visually see the shark, the best thing to do with any predator, be it a marine predator or be it a land-based predator, keep your eyes on the predator. Predators are very visually aware of when they're seen and when they're not seen. And if you can you know, adjust your movement as being, rather than being a prey item, but being a fellow predator in the water, i.e. move towards the shark or, you know, stand your ground and keep the animal visually uh, in touch all, all the time, I think you, you've done a lot to take away the, the, the shark's element or any other predator's element of surprise. And in so doing, the animal's far less likely to, you know, push home and attack on you. Chris, tell us about your company down there in Cape Town. Yeah, my wife, myself, and uh, a, a fantastic crew we have working for us we run a company called Apex Shark Expeditions. We're based out of Simonstown, which is in beautiful Cape Town, South Africa, and uh, very privileged to work at Seal Island, which is the, the famous location you see every year on Discovery Channel where the Great sharks come flying out the water and uh, for anybody coming to South Africa you know it's, it's really an amazing thing to do to go out and see the great white sharks and uh, see these magnificent predators in their environment doing their thing and if you're a surfer and coming to Cape Town got some of the best waves in the world dungeons one of the some really famous big wave spots and just a magnificent and beautiful city to live in. Chris Fallows with Apex Predators and Discovery Channel Shark Week we thank Chris for joining us today on Dawn Patrol Don't freak out about sharks. Be more scared of the snakes and the bears in the woods. Just kidding. We want to thank our title sponsor, 30A Cottages, for supporting Dawn Patrol. Catch replays of Dawn Patrol inside the 30A app for iPhone and Android or at 30A.com. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week on Dawn Patrol. Dawn Patrol, presented by 38 Cottages and Concierge, with properties in Rosemary Beach, Seacrest, Seagrove, Seaside, and Watercolor. Unpack, relax, and forget where you're from, 38cottages.com.